Good morning. It's good to see everybody that can make it out this morning. I know with uh, differing road conditions around the area, it might have been a little bit more treacherous than um, our commute. Uh, of course, um, I had to shovel us a path, so it was a little bit of work this morning. Um, so this week, uh, this weekend, um, Sarah and I and the boys are going to be traveling up to Columbus. I'm going to be speaking at the uh, Ohio Winter Lectures at Fishinger and Kinney Church of Christ uh, on Saturday. We've got uh, two different lessons uh, that I'll be presenting there, um, mainly focused around um, social media. Uh, one of them, of course, uh, is talking about social media for churches. The other is talking about uh, how to prepare the church for secular realities. Um, and as I've been working on those lessons and preparing those, um, I've been paying a lot more attention to social media and Facebook and what's been going on in the world. And it seems like every time uh, I see a post or something that comes up on Facebook, um, the words of Paul in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, go ahead and turn over to Colossians 3. We're going to be spending the bulk of our time there. Um, Paul says in verse 2 there, he says, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. In this section of Scripture, we find Paul encouraging the Colossians to focus their earthly lives toward heaven and to reject the sinful things that this world can drag us into. In this verse, um, or in the verse that we just heard read uh, by Dale, Paul tells the Corinthians an important truth that is reiterated in Colossians chapter 3. Paul said that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. So if we are in Christ, we are to have a new life, one that is different and separate from the old. So what does this new life in Christ look like? From what we see in Scripture, it is, or at least should be, far different than a life lived according to traditions of men or worldly constructs. This new life is dramatically different. It's a life in which we seek the heavenly. Look at Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read the first four verses here. If then you have been raised with Christ, again, going back to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians, if you are in Christ, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. So first off, Raised with Christ, the first part of that section there in verse 1. Baptism is the line that separates the saved from the lost. Jesus teaches that in Mark chapter 16, verse 16. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, of course, Peter told the crowd, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is in baptism in which man is connected to God, in which there is a... a spiritual circumcision that occurs, as Paul also talks about in the chapter previously here in Colossians, that is done by God. It's a powerful working of God that separates man from the sinful world, from his sinful flesh, the sins of the flesh. And so baptism is what separates man into this raised with Christ category. After baptism, one is a new creation. Acts, or Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 4 
Paul here says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Do you hear a pattern with all of these teachings that Paul is giving? We are baptized into Christ, into His death. We were buried with Him by baptism in order that we could be raised to a newness of life. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Things that are above are things that are eternal, things that are heavenly, things that are spiritual. Consider the words of Paul to the Philippians in chapter 4, verse 8, where he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. In your daily life, can you say with confidence that those are the things that you think about? That those are the only things that you think about? The word seek, seek the things that are above. The word seek implies effort and work on the part of the one who is raised with Christ. This is not referring to a dormant or lazy or sluggish attitude toward a life with Christ, but it refers to one who is busy working for the Lord, anticipating his return, which is what we talked about a couple weeks ago. Listen to Paul's exhortation to the Romans in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, where he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present, yourself, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul here in Romans chapter 12 is also alluding to and pushing to the next point here in Colossians chapter 3 in verse 2, setting your mind. This means where your attention, where your affection is placed. It should be on things that are above, those eternal, heavenly, spiritual things. The Greek word derives from the word mind, but it is a more active version of the mind indicating that it's something that someone does with their mind rather than just their mind itself. It's what you're actively doing with your mind and where it should be focused, where your attention is. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 20, Jesus tells us to lay up our treasures in heaven. How are we to do, how are we to do that if we are so focused on the treasures of earth? The things that we treasure here today. Things, by the way, that are going to pass away. Things that are not going to be taken with us when we leave this world. We're not necessarily talking about monetary things, but anything in which you place value. It could be your job. It could be your spouse. It could be your political party. It could even be your country. 
Jesus says to lay up your treasures in heaven. He says to focus on the things of heaven. But why? He says in verse 3, For you have died. You are dead to the rule of sin. Which Paul also illustrates in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. He says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We need to be walking in the light rather than in the darkness. And that's a topic that we looked at last, uh, last week in our evening service uh, as we were looking at 1 John. Tonight we're going to continue that study, of course, as we look at fellowship and how that applies to walking in the light. But Jesus and Paul here is, is emphasizing that the death that we experience when we are baptized into Christ is a separation of earthly, fleshly things. We're breaking away from that. We need to be focused on different things because, as Paul also says in verse 3, that we have a life that is hidden with Christ. Or another way to word this from the Greek is a, uh, it is a life that is hidden with Christ inside or with Christ within. And that's also something that Paul teaches the Galatians in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ... It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Something that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Heavenly anticipation. Longing for the return of Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. That anticipation should fuel and sustain the Christian. In order to better focus on heavenly things, we must, as Paul continues in Colossians chapter 3, put to death the earthly. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. We must not allow sin to reign in our bodies. That's what Paul elaborates on here in Colossians and also in Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 13. There he says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Paul details, as Dale said, couple weeks ago quite a list sexual immorality impurity passion evil desire and covetousness which is idolatry greed is idolatry because it puts our minds on things below not things above in fact it's very possible that things that you may focus on as earthly treasures could be a form of idolatry if you are if they are taking a higher priority to you and your life than god Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, He says, Take care and be on guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. 
the future wrath of God, which we also talked about a couple weeks ago, should motivate us to put to death these earthly desires. And not only just this list, but Paul continues the list and adds in anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. All of these things to put away as well. Clearly, these sins, these specific sins, were things that were troubling to those in Colossae. Perhaps a letter that was sent to Paul or a message that was sent to Paul in some way indicated that they were having problems with these things, and so Paul specifically lists these. But it doesn't take a rocket scientist or a structural engineer or chemical engineer or mathematician to know that this list is not finished, right? There's more things that fall in to that list. So why must we put these sinful things to death? Because we're a new creation. Those are the old. We once walked in those things, but we should no longer live in them. We should no longer focus on them. We are a new creation. Therefore, we have to put off the old self, and in its place, we find a renewed or a new man. Look at uh, verses 10 through 11 here in Colossians 3. We'll start back at uh, verse 9 just to kind of connect them all together. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices uh, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. As we've discussed already, the new man is put on in baptism, in which we put on Christ. We be, and when we do that, we begin to embody His characteristics, things like His compassion, His humility, His holiness, His justice, characteristics that He exemplified throughout His life. Consider Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10, where Paul says, "...always carrying in the body the death of Jesus." so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. When we gather around the table each week, we do so as a memorial to the death of Christ. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians that we should always carry with us the death. We should always be carrying that memory. It's not something that we should just only focus on on Sunday mornings when we gather together, but something that we should always remember so that the life of Jesus, not just his death, but that his life may also be manifested in our bodies. This new man must be continually renewed in the knowledge of the image of Christ. When we talk about walking in the light as Christ is the light, are we walking in the same way that Christ did? Are we living our life the way, same way Christ did? Do we look at earthly things in the way that Christ did? To focus on things that are above and not on things that are here on earth means that we need to consider the things that we encounter on a daily basis, the things of this world, with a heavenly perspective. Instead of asking ourselves, how does this action, how does this decision impact me, we should be asking, how does this impact the kingdom? If we are ambassadors for Christ, and that should be our job, and that should be our focus, then shouldn't we be considering 
How everything that we do, every action that we decide, and everything that we decide to throw our hat in the ring toward, how does that impact the kingdom? Does it help the cause of Christ? Because that's our cause. Do people see you share religious things on Facebook only to be followed up by some divisive political post? Shouldn't we be more focused on the preservation, the growth and prominence of the kingdom of God than the preservation and prominence of an earthly, temporary kingdom or republic? Should we care more for the salvation of those around us and getting them to heaven with us than who they're voting for? Why do I focus so much on the temporary evil in this world rather than shining the light of Christ? Because Christ was the good that was brought into the world so that evil could be overthrown. The only way that the evil of this world will ever be overthrown is when Christ returns. It's not going to be by a politician, and it's not going to be done by an earthly government. It is going to be done when the kingdom is handed over to God. Until then, we are to be busy at work as his ambassadors, representing the kingdom in the example of Christ himself. Do your politics stop at the point where Christ would say, God doesn't desire that anyone should perish, but that all should reach repentance? Something that I've been encouraged by and, and have really been thinking about a lot is the discussion on abortion. If you fight so hard for the life of an unborn child to be saved from the murderous practice of abortion, but then stop fighting for that child when they've been born by not ministering to the mother and ultimately the child, then where is your focus? Is your focus merely on the earthly life of the child or is it focused on beyond that? Now these are just a few examples just to kind of pick on some hot topics that are going on in the world today. But I think... These are just some things that I've been thinking about <clears throat> as I've you know, been working to better understand what it means to set my mind on things that are above and not on things that are on earth. I used to struggle greatly with the things that I posted on Facebook. Posting divisive, negative comments and things about politicians, politics in general, the way I viewed things, etc. But as I've started getting more and more into the scriptures and understanding my role as an ambassador of Christ, not just as a preacher, but as an ambassador for Christ in the world. It's led me down a different path to start thinking of things in the light of heaven. There's a story. I'm not exactly sure where it stemmed from or to the truth behind it, but I think it illustrates the point well. A gospel preacher had announced on his broadcast that his topic next Sunday would be on heaven. He then received a message, which again wonderfully illustrates where the Christian's heart should be. The message said this, Next Sunday you are to talk about heaven. I'm interested in that land because I have held a clear title to a bit of property there for over 55 years. I didn't buy it. It was given to me at a tremendous sacrifice. 
I'm not holding it for speculation since the title is not transferable. It's not a vacant lot. For more than a century, I have been sending material out of which the greatest architect and builder of the universe has been building a home for me, which will never need to be repaired because it will suit me perfectly, individually, and will never grow old. Termites can never undermine its foundations, for they rest upon the rock of ages. Fire cannot destroy it. Floods cannot wash it away. No locks or bolts will ever be placed upon its doors. No wall need constructed around its perimeter, for no vicious person can ever enter that land where my dwelling stands. And it's now almost completed and already ready for me to enter and abide in peace eternally without fear of being ejected. There is a valley of shadows, but I'm not afraid because the best friend that I ever had went through the same valley long, long ago and drove away all its gloom. He has stuck by me through thick and thin since we first became acquainted 55 years ago, and I hold his promise in printed form, never to forsake nor leave me alone. He will be with me as I walk through the valley of shadows, and I shall not lose my way when he is with me. I hope to hear your sermon on heaven next Sunday from my home in Los Angeles, California, but I have no assurance that I shall be able to do so. My ticket to heaven has no date marked for the journey, no return coupon, and no permit for baggage. <laughs> I like that part. Yes, I am ready to go, and I may not be here while you are talking next Sunday, but I shall meet you there someday. Our Heavenly Father expects changes in the lives of His people. As our slide and sermon title shows, we are to be living in Christ. Christ living in us. We may be able to come to Jesus just as I am, but we cannot remain just as I am. We must always be moving in the direction of Christ and His Word. Will I meet you there someday? Have you been changed by the blood of Christ? If not, how can we assist you this morning? Do you desire to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, or do you have another need that the church can assist you with? If you have a need, as we stand and sing this next song, won't you come forward and make your request known?